This is the 19th season of Bass Talk Live. BTL is presented by Bass Cat Boats, Striking Lures, Aftco, Pro Guide Batteries, X Zone Lures, Shoreline Boat and RV Repair, Spro, Gamakatsu, Big Bite Baits, The Bass Tank, Denali Rods, Beatdown Outdoors, and Sunline. BTL, coming at you. Good morning and welcome to another exciting edition of BTL Bass Talk Live where we are going to talk about bass fishing. Uh, a little... I had a little spur of the moment business trip that came up last week. So there was no show on Monday. We are back with a full line of shows this week. Also throwing in between 20 and 30 bonus shows in the 2024 season. The day five guide day. I got a lot of uh, DMs and emails from guides who said, hey, uh, I'm a guide. I'd be good on this show. Or I went out with this guide and it was crazy. I got some absolutely crazy, uh, crazy guide experiences i guess that would be great for the show so look for that that's going to be twice uh twice a month on every friday but we are back with another fan favorite to kick things off in 2024 and this guy uh i don't know how he has any downtime because he not only has his own channel where he uh breaks down water oh he also does the lake map breakdowns he's a tackle company owner and also, the driving force behind the Deep Dive app, uh, and everybody knows who that is. That is the one and only Johnny Schultz from Arkansas. Thanks for uh, thanks for jumping on the show, Johnny. Thanks for having me, Matt. I was talking with someone about how a lot of people in this industry, not necessarily professional anglers, but now I would say the guys who are, who are thriving, not just surviving in this industry, it all comes down to multiple ventures, multiple revenue streams. And uh, I actually used you as an example, uh, as a guy who has four or five different tentacles in the industry. You are pretty much uh, immersed in it in every angle other than the actual like professional tournament fishing side. But a lot of what you do deals with the professional tournament fishing side. For sure. I mean, main reason for that is the profitability of professional tournament fishing, as we all know. Um for better or worse. And, uh, you know, going back to when I was a lot younger, you know, even in college fishing days, I just kind of did an analysis of the market and realized pro fishing was not maybe the best financial decision for me if I was going to want to make a good living. And, uh, you know, it took me a few years to figure out how to develop enough revenue streams to actually participate in the fishing industry and like make a good living in it. And, it took a while to kind of figure it all out, but there's a lot of different avenues like what you do here on BTL, uh, the YouTube side, and then obviously with Core Tackle now and the Deep Dive app. It's all kind of grown from what I started doing seven or eight years ago, and it's really cool to be involved in so many different parts of the industry now because I get to have a really good perspective on the electronic side, on the bait manufacturing side, the influencer YouTube side. It's a really cool perspective of the industry. See, I have a problem. 
there's a couple guys that I have a problem having on as guests. You're one of them because I have <laughs> you on and I'm like, you know what? I need to just, you know, hit the water, fun fish, enjoy it. I just did that Mexico trip and I was like, I forgot how fun it is to catch a bass. I forgot what bass fishing could be, you know, because I've always stressed out in the opens. Then you have a guy like Carl Jacobson on or something and you're like, yeah, I'm selling everything. I'm doing whatever it takes to make the elite series. I've never given up. Fear my heart. And then... I have both you on and then I'm stuck in this internal struggle of do I do I do the fishing thing? Do I do the, the BTL thing? Uh, I'm trying to do both 100 uh, percent, especially in 2024 with more shows, with a completely revamped on the road uh, system for live shows from the Bassmaster Opens and then putting 100 percent in the Bassmaster Opens. But uh, I guess t- my first off, congratulations. So you and Matt Stefan have core tackle. I don't yeah. know if there's anyone else, but you guys are the face of core tackle. And I am seeing that there's a core tackle. Okay. It's everywhere. Like I was just at another location that had a tackle shop and it had core tackle. And before that I was in a different state at another location and they had core tackle. And then I just saw, uh, I think that L- lucky lure and OKC had core tackle. And then all the places, all the major big boxes online, they have core tackle. Like this isn't just, Oh, look at our hook. We're selling a few online. Like you guys have exploded over the past, like three or four months. Yeah, it's been really great. We basically started selling the hover rig back in February of last year. So we haven't even been in business for a full year at this point and been super blessed to get into a lot of great retailers. We're over on like Tackle Warehouse, Omnia Fishing, Discount Tackle. Recently got uh, some distribution over in Dick's Sporting Goods, which is really cool as well, along with a lot of other smaller tackle shops. So it's been great. Got a lot of great response from the hover rig and then our tush the ultimate swim bait hook and then we just released the ozark rig which honestly i haven't even made a video about or talked about because it's selling so well that with the ozark rig we basically are just like trying to almost limit demand slightly so we don't run out of product but uh, the ozark rig is really cool so that's something we're really excited about and then we also have several new products coming out here throughout the spring that we feel like are going to be just as big of a game changer as like the hover rig was. We have one product in particular. We're just, we cannot wait to get out. We are like, you know, chomping at the bit to get this product to the market. And we have not, um, you know, not really talked about it very much because it's, it's such a unique innovation that people could copy very easily if they, if they saw it. But this is the Ozark rig, Matt. Basically what it is, is a Texas rig replacement. The thought behind it is basically when I'm fishing here in the Ozarks, I needed a bait that would work better around cover compared to the hover rig. The hover rig is a great technique. More in open water, we do have a weedless version, but it's still not the best around wood and docks and stuff. Well, this Ozark rig coming in an eighth ounce, three sixteenths ounce. We also have prototypes of a quarter ounce and a three eighths ounce size. This basically has the exact same motion as the hover rig, but you can Texas rig it instead mm-hmm. of threading it on like the hover rig is where you kind of insert the weight into the body. And this gives this bait crazy gliding action. It will glide twice as far as a standard Texas rig. And because of the way that the bait gets keeled, because the weight's at the bottom of the bait, you hook every single fish in the top of the mouth. When you set the hook, the fish is in the top of the mouth. We have that 60 degree jig hook, which is a perfect angle to actually penetrate the top of the mouth for the fish. And it's an amazing rig. Matt's having 30, 40, 50 fish days before ice out. And Matt's Stefan, not me. 30, 40, 50 is a, that's a stretch for me there, Johnny. And then uh, with a Grand Lake and, and all the Ozark Lakes, Beaver Lake around here, I've been crushing them on it, skipping docks and fishing down rock transition banks, bluff walls, all kinds of stuff. So. <sighs> Okay, 
Uh, so here's my question on the Ozark rig. Uh, how do you, how do you, I want a video where you have an active fish that's like sitting on a rock, a piece of cover or something. And I want to see a Texas rig vertically dropping straight down and seeing how that fish in his natural environment reacts to it. And then I want to see a bait gliding like something like on the Ozark rig. And I want to see how that fish reacts differently to it. I can do that. That's that's very doable. <laughs> oh, okay, because we've all been about the the glide, right? Like I always remembered one of my earliest like tricks or tips that Shaw Grigsby back in the day. I remember I thought, oh, I'm not pegging my Texas rig in open water anymore because you want to hop it. You get the weight separate, which I guess was a, a non-peg Texas rig is is an early version of the free rig. Yep. Uh, which is funny that now, you know, you put it on the side and it's this, this brand new thing, but it had that gliding motion on it too. But then there's also the other train of fact where I want that thing going zoom, straight down and, and get them to make a reaction. So I'm, I'm a little bit, I would love to see the video of a fish reacting to that gliding bait. Obviously this is a, a several iterations removed, but you're way too young to remember the flying lure. I mean, I, I saw the infomercials back in the day, uh, you know, with the the backwards glide and all that stuff. I was I was watching those when I was seven, eight years old. Okay, Mark uh, Faster and I saying Mark Fisher Outdoors has already done that. He's done that video. I don't know. I need to go watch it and see it then. Oh, I haven't seen After. it. I don't know if it's with the Ozark rig. So, so, like, the thing about the Ozark rig, too, you mentioned, with like, the glide versus the straight fall. That's kind of interesting because I've been – experimenting with that a lot and honestly when i go to the lake i have two complete opposites on the deck of my boat so usually when i go to beaver grand river the two baits i have when i'm flipping for example would be like a quarter ounce or a 316 ounce ozark rig on a beaver style bait whether that's a sweet beaver or like a striking rodent or whatever you want to mm -hmm. flip from a creature bait standpoint and that will fall at like maybe half a foot to a foot per second depending on the style of bait you're fishing but then the other bait i have on is a, an 11 16 ounce jewel tactical flipping jig so almost a three quarter ounce flipping jig and so i basically have both extremes and some days they love that super heavy jig and then some days they love the ozark rig and i just kind of switch back and forth between them and it's kind of the same thing with the hover rig when i go to fish fish that are suspended on drains or bait fish or whatever i have a hover rig tied on when I want to have a very slow, natural fall. But then I also have a 3.8 ounce Tamiki rig on. So I basically go either with a very, very fast fall or a very slow fall. I don't really go for the inner intermediate falls anymore because I think a lot of anglers are used to just fishing like 3.8 ounce, half ounce jig, a quarter ounce Tamiki rig, that sort of thing. And having those heavier heads, even up to like a half ounce Tamiki rig, can generate a lot of reaction strikes. Or if those fish won't commit to the super heavy Demiki rig they'll commit to the really light like eighth ounce or one thirty second ounce hover rig mm -hmm. is this your first foray into the i mean you chose terminal tackle which is the yeah. toughest one to break into but this is your kind of first first go at it so i've designed a couple baits for jewels so we designed the fish the moment offshore jig which is a football jig with a double cable guard weed guard and then oh, I also i've seen that you helped design yeah. that yeah, that was. Oh, my, I had no, I had no idea on that. That's a cool, uh, that's a cool jig. I've thrown it before. Yeah, <laughs> no, then, that was yours. There's also the Jewel Versa Craw, which is basically a craw that has, um, it's connected all together at the bottom, but you can 
separate the pincers away. I remember that one. And so I designed that one with Jewel as well. So those are like my first two bait designs that um, that I did. And those did really well. We're pretty excited about those. That's the Versacross. So basically you can separate yep. the bottom pincers. Um, Take them off. Yeah, I think I've done that yeah. one before on the show. So that one's pretty cool too. So we like that. Um, and then we want, Matt and I kind of were looking at a bunch of different products to potentially launch with core tackle. And the first thing that I thought about was actually the tush swim bait hook, which is basically a swim bait hook with all the weight on the body of the bait. So we got some prototypes of that. And as we were designing the tush, Matt was like, man, I love hover strolling. It's like the hottest technique out there. He fished all the time. I never really hover strolled all that much. And so he's like, what if we insert this tush hook into the bait somehow? And we were basically playing around with that. And then we realized, one, it was too heavy. And two, if we add that point at the top and then put the lead over it or put the bait over the top of the lead on that little point, you can yeah. get the same motion as the hover strolling standard rig with the hover rig so that we came up with that which was great and then the ozark rig is again kind of a play off of both of those where it's like a center weighted texas rig style bait so mm -hmm. uh, trying to kind of cover all the different traditional terminal tackle avenues we have a few other things we're coming out with later this year that target other terminal tackle niches that are really popular and hopefully we can kind of get something for everyone that's just a little bit different from what is out there right now to give those fish a little bit different look uh can you like copyright any of this stuff or is it just fair is it open market so, I, I, you don't have to get into that if you don't yeah, want, no. but i mean i would assume like terminal tech would have to be hard to figure out your own deal that can't just be done yeah so we have uh right now patent applications and things going out for the hovering and, and some other products as well so um that's kind of it's similar to the ideas with like the chatter bait where they got the patent on the uh connecting the blade to the yep. eye of the bait so we have some patents coming out that uh we're working towards and that's pretty exciting because if those go through then that will give us some protection but honestly in the fishing industry right now it's 90 percent, unfortunately like kind of copycat situations where there's some new products that come out but a lot of copycat stuff and what we're trying to do, we're not trying to say that we're coming out with anything that's like brand new, innovative that no one's ever seen before. We're just trying to make small tweaks to existing products, existing tackle and make it fit a very specific function. And that's kind of our idea behind all the products we put out. We don't necessarily want to come out with just another Demiki rig head, but we also mm -hmm. don't want to come out with something that's completely crazy and weird that no one can actually use. So it's that fine balance of like something that's just a little bit different from what's out there, but is still realistic to the average angler. Is it fun? Oh, so or fun. stressful. It's great. It's, I mean, the business side is stressful with the running all of that. Uh, I used to be, uh, working in demand planning for Nestle USA uh, and did all the like the supply chain production stuff as well. Did some supply planning. So I uh, have some experience on the supply chain management side. So that helps a lot and have a good friend who also came to help uh, part time to mm -hmm. kind of organize all the supply chain stuff. So that stuff kind of is complicated, but also kind of fun just because I'm kind of getting back to what I used to do when I graduated college. But the debate design stuff is awesome. The most stressful thing is I have an entire tackle box of amazing core tackle products and we want to put all of them out and we just kind of have to wait because we have to get the finished prototypes we have to get them produced get them packed all these different things and so matt and i are sitting on like four or five 
gems where we're like, man, we just want this out in the market right now because people would love this. And we're just having to slowly roll them out. It's kind of, uh, that was, that's the most kind of stressful part, I guess. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break for the show and then we're going <laughs> to dive into, uh, something else that, that you've been on. And I get, uh, I get random texts or calls from you. Very excited, Johnny Schultz. He's like, dude, look what we could do now with the app. Look what we could do. And if you remember last year, we did a, you did like a, a pre-analysis video with me uh, using the, the deep dive app and the info from the deep dive app to determine how the Bassmaster Open in April on Toledo Bend was going to be won. And we filmed that show prior to the start of that event. And I was looking at it like kind of, hey, let's take a, uh, analytical a numbers approach on where I needed to fish it. Uh, that happened to be my worst event of the year because I ended up on the opposite end of the lake from what the data told. Ironically, when we went back after the tournament, and this is the show that you can go and watch for last April. Oh, and they're going back to Toledo Bend this year. That might that show might get some more views. Uh, it it was like one by Ben Milliken in the section of the lake that the deep dive app said it would be one in using three of the four baits that the deep dive app said it would be one targeting the stage of fish that it said would be one on Toledo Bend for that type of year. It's amazing. If you go back to see how that open was one and then watch that show, it's actually not amazing. It's actually terrifying <laughs> how accurate that was. Uh, and that was almost a year ago. And yep. you have a bunch of new stuff that the deep dive app is coming out with. Uh, and, and even if you aren't like, let's say you are a flip phone guy who watches uh, YouTube on your computer screen and you're never going to pay what, how much is it for an entire year? It's like ni 90 bucks for an entire year, hundred bucks for an entire bucks, year. A yeah. New tier we have, it's 39 bucks a year. Okay. Even if you're never going to do it, it's, it's fascinating to watch how you can take something that seems so abstract like fishing and say, Oh, it would be cool if we could do this. And then you and the deep dive app team have actually done it. And we're going to show some of the new stuff for 2024. Is that a fair lead into it, Johnny? For sure. Yeah. All right. It is. Uh, it's BTL, a brand new season of BTL in 2024, Tuesday, January 9th. And we'll be back right after this. The new Puma STS has been redesigned from the ground up. With the angler design function and performance in mind, nothing on this new offering was compromised and the only thing carried over from the previous version is the name. Based on the soft touch series hull that started with the flagship Jaguar, this new model is nimble and performs incredibly well at all speeds with either a 250 or 300 horsepower engine. Featuring a new 96 inch wide body footprint, this hull measures out at 20 foot 7 inches in length. Industry leading design coupled with tournament winning performance. The Puma STS from Basscat. Feel the rush. Guys, if you're a construction worker, soccer dad, soccer mom, you want to be outdoors, oh, you've seen the Reaper. This right here is the zip-up full Reaper, but it's windproof, folks, windproof. 
and it actually has the mask built in. It's behind me. I mean, if you can look good, feel good, and stay warm, you better check it out. It's the Zip Up Reaper. That's right, windproof. All right, we are back, BTL, on a Tuesday, a freezing cold Tuesday. I was driving home uh, this morning. Actually, just made it in the studio for the show. And uh, it is the first Arctic blast, Johnny. Yeah, it's snowing right now a uh, little bit. And just looking at the deep dive app right now, actually, Grand Lake is flying up. Um, so that's what are you looking at? Show that. Can you show the screen to show exactly what yeah, you're looking yeah. at to show that Grand Lake is flying up? So this is the app right now. So if yep. you look at Grand Lake, we have all of these uh, at the very like the home tab at the top. You can actually see the lake level and the current flow and you can see. Oh, by wow. Week. And then you can actually scroll in here and see what the water level has done hour by hour. So you can see that yep. it's jumped up and then you can look at it. It's hard to do that. You look at that, showed, that looked really good. So you can see that daily right there. And then you can also see the current flow. And we have this for like thousands of lakes across the country. But you can see the current flow when it's flowing at certain times of the day, um, things like that, the amount of current. So like, you know, look like on Saturday, they didn't really pull a lot of current throughout the day. But it's kind of interesting, like if you're practicing for a tournament or whatever, and it's like, okay, I crushed him from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. on a Thursday. And then you get to the tournament day. And it's like, well, they only pulled current from, well, actually, they didn't pull any current, basically, except for maybe like right at noon or something, right at 10 mm -hmm. o'clock. So maybe that 10 a.m. is going to be your bite window for that day. And it's like, why did I catch three, four pounders right at 10 o'clock on Saturday and then suck the rest of my tournament? Well, it's probably because they started pulling 13,000 cubic feet per second of current. Bam. That's what those fish were doing. So, so if I'm one of the 54 guys in the Classic, I can have that app on the water and it it's legal to have that app like open use it in tournaments right because 100%. it's simply information public information it's like going to six different websites and trying to figure out where the pertinent information is you're just putting it all in one spot with one click for exactly i mean it's it's the same thing as like let's say you had um uh let's say you were going to the lake master app or any other app where you're getting lake master chart data so yeah. i mean that's how i see it i'm not an expert on the rules on Bassmaster or anything like that so no i checked a, with them before too because i use the i've used the deep dive app like during practice and stuff like that yeah. for for water clarity yeah wind water here's, level here's the water clarity right now on grand which is crazy it's super muddy i actually checked this like a week ago we actually have a new feature we're launching this week where we're going to show like right now you can kind of see the water clarity around the lake. Um, you can see it moving and changing and where the clear water and the dirtier water is. And we're actually going, so that's moving it. based on time based on, no, that's just filtering the different clarity. So at the bottom, you can kind of not, Oh yep, yep, yep. It's a uh, scale from like clear to dirty. So if you just want to see where the dirty is, where the stained is, where the clear is, you just use this, the, the scale. Yep. And then we're actually adding in the time element here, like hopefully the end of this week where we're going to show 30 day history of this as well. So basically you're going to be able to go back and see a 30 day historical view of the um, of the water clarity maps that we've generated. So you can see then how stuff is changing over the past 30 days. So that's we're, we're literally going to release that update here in like a day or two days. I don't know exactly when, but we're, we're going to try to get out here any day now. And then, uh, got some other How many stuff. lakes. Do you have that on? We have 130 lakes with water clarity. We have 
seven or eight hundred lakes with section of lake that show you like the best section of lake. Yeah, any Florida lakes? Uh, we have a few of the Florida lakes. The challenge with a lot of the Florida lakes is there's like a bunch yeah. of small lakes, like the Harris chain. It's not yeah. like like we have Lake Harris in there, but we're trying to figure out right now, actually, before all the elites and everyone go over there, how to bucket like Apopka and all those other small lakes into one lake, or do we need to do it each individual lake? So we're kind of working through it. We have the data in the app right now on our side, but we're trying to figure out the best way to present it to the user. That's the one thing, Matt, that's so hard about like app development that I didn't understand is we can do a million things. We have so much cool stuff behind the scenes mm -hmm. that we've never shown anybody that is really amazing. But the development to make it work on multiple devices, make it work for multiple users, all the different edge cases, <laughs> a simple project that you might think takes a couple of days or a couple of weeks turns into a couple of months in no time. So it's prioritizing our dev team and the resources we have to make you know the best stuff we can. And I mean, if we could just have everything we have in our like testing fields, like in the app and it was working, we would double the features in the app, but they're not quite working on every type of lake. I mean, think about it. You have Florida lakes, you have TVA lakes, you have Highland Reservoirs, natural lakes. So like, unlike a lot of other things where maybe the app is specific to just one very small niche mm -hmm. with fishing, you have to basically have features that work across all different types of fisheries across the entire us tidal fisheries again all these different things for different species of fish so the complexity of actually bringing anything to the market with an app in the fishing industry is extremely complicated and we don't like bringing stuff out that doesn't have an impact for as many users as possible versus just like we're going to come out with a tide chart for like three tidal fisheries or something like that yeah uh if you're watching this and you would like to see it what uh, the deep dive app offers for your lake. You can just go to deepdiveapp.com. I'll pull it up right here. And then you can scroll down to see the lake list. And it has a lake list that has, you know, it'll show the best areas, but then also the water clarity feature uh, shows what lakes there are. So uh, if you're asking, I saw some stuff on here. Hey, is this for Georgia lakes? I was asking about Florida lakes. You can go on and, and see how many of these lakes have, uh, what features are available. Yep. Cause it's yep. not like just something that you plug it in and it does it all. You're going through each, each, you lake. Know. we have to, yeah. <laughs> we have to add the data in for each individual lake. We have to figure out the boundaries of the lake, the type of lake. So it's, it's a extremely complicated process. And I think a lot of anglers maybe underestimate the complexity because you have, you know, when we take into account all of our data or all of our things, we look at the lake characteristics of the lake. So what's the maximum depth with the average water clarity throughout the year? What is the type of cover that's in the lake? What's the primary forage that's in the lake? What are the bottom compositions? Does it have creek channels? Is it a natural lake? Uh, is it like spring fed? There's all these different things that, mm -hmm. that impact the fishing styles, the fishing elements. And the reason that we feel very confident in our predictions from the app is that we take into account an absolute massive pile of factors. And we add that to our pile of tournament data, which allows us to basically get patterns from top 10 tournaments and match it to lakes based on those characteristics and based on all these factors to recommend what to do is the idea. All right. So then, uh, obviously you have the, the wind has been, uh, uh, I guess a feature. Would you yeah, call we launched in November, I think. But yeah, the yeah. wind effects. 
the wind effect. So not just the wind, you've had the wind for a long time up there to where you can be like, Hey, this is the direction the wind's blowing. This is the water clarity, but then the wind effects, uh, basically a trained monkey could figure out where to fish on this. If they could work an app, it it's, uh, it's really cool. And it just came out. So you sent me a quick little deal. Now I don't think I have audio, so I'm going to play it real quick and then you can do it on your phone here. But yeah, uh, this is just uh, this is just like 20 seconds of kind of how it acts. And then you can describe what people are looking at afterwards. Yep. So there you can see that everything's changing with the slide bar. So explain what the uh, what the wind effects is. Yeah, so I'll kind of zoom in here so you can pull up the deep dive app and we have like a 3D map as well as a. Uh, that other side worked perfect and then you get dark go. yep there you go yeah. perfect so basically what you have here it's not the clearest on the screen but yep. if you download the app this is actually available on every lake we have in the app we have over three thousand lakes available in the app so as long oh, as we wow. have a lake in the app this feature works so available on like all those florida lakes on lakes literally all over the country so what this tool does is if we zoom into the screen basically takes into account the direction of the wind in addition to the topography of the land. So the actual, like if there's a hill, if there's a bluff, anything like that. And also the amount of distance that the wind can accumulate over. So for example, here on horse, the mouth of Horse Creek on Grand, there's a lot more distance in this big open bay for the wind to accumulate. And if anyone's ever been out on Grand when there's a <laughs> that Northwest wind, they know that Horse Creek gets rolling, like it's, it's bumping. And so what we do is we calculate all of that. And then we'll show you on the bank the impact of the wind on the shoreline. And we do different colors to kind of indicate what the wind is doing against those banks. Mm -hmm. And it basically is like a simulated wave impact is kind of the way to think about it, but it really is the wind. So let's say you're going around the lake. You can actually look at this and you can say, okay, where is the wind hitting the most? And where's the most wave activity accumulating? This can help you in multiple situations one situation is hey i want to go out and hit the most wind-blown banks and i want to go fish secondary points where the wind is blowing so you could zoom in here and you could find all your little secondary points that have the red highlight on them mm -hmm. the other thing you could say is i want to find areas where there's protected areas like in the spring where the fish are spawning and i can look around here and i can see okay where is the protected bay that's what i was thinking of as soon as i the first thing when i first saw this was this is awesome for sight fishermen the other thing is you can go back two days into the past and two days and or sorry, two days in the past, I think five, five or seven days into the future to see what the wind will be doing the past two days and the next five to seven days. And the idea with this is that, like, for example, this pocket here was actually being hit by not that much wind, but some wind uh, a couple days ago. And now it's yep. getting pretty well by the wind here. But there's actually this little small pocket right there. Yep that has no wind hitting it. I can't get my finger to work right there. That pocket had no wind hitting it like the last three days. Mm -hmm. So that means that that pocket's going to be very protected. You'll have stable water, which could be great in the spring when you want to go sight fishing. And can you also pull up the clarity then? Yeah, then you can pull up. So you go to the tools and you pull up the water clarity. And then I'm going somewhere with this, you can come in here and you can say, here's your water clarity for that zone it's all okay. kind of similar but then you could go back in here and you can say okay this is an area okay. that has more stained water you could find so then can you pull up the water temperature 
So we don't have water temperature in. One thing we found with water temperature, there are some apps that have water temperature. It's very hard to figure out the actual water temperature in the day because of how much it fluctuates. Um, and from day to day with the depth of the water, the clarity of the water, all those things, it fluctuates way too much. And we haven't been able to come up with a very accurate one. We can okay. find some that are like, let's say, um, we might be able to find one that gives us anything. It's like five to seven, maybe eight to 10 degrees difference, but that isn't really good enough for us. We, if we're going to do this, we want to make sure that we have a one to three degree temperature difference and be able to call that out. Now the last time you were on, didn't you have a deal where you could pull up like specific contours or specific like little sections of depth? So um, basically the main thing from that is that, we have the data to make those find similar areas features. The main problem with that right now for us is that um, we don't have data on lakes all across the country. We just so have data have it on a couple of like table rock. So okay. that tool is something that we have that is working. We can put in the app. The issue right, was I not supposed to say that? No, you're good. If we we're, <laughs> we, we want to do it. Our okay. problem is we can only roll it out to three or four. Lakes. Yeah. Well, here's what I was so, thinking. Yeah. You could have, like you said, you do the wind, you do the wind effects. You're you can basically literally you could probably put money on, hey, there's gonna be a fish spawning here. If yeah. once you combine all those things and you're doing it by looking at your cell phone. Well, well you also I mean you have to know what you're looking for and what you're wanting to plug in and stuff. It's not like it's not like magic. You're still you're just taking all of these factors that lead to a good spawning area and you're combining them all and going, hey. Let's go check this pocket out. Well, and if you go to our best areas tool, this is actually using our database of over 10,000 tournament patterns from top 10 finishes. And it will say, we actually, I filtered this to the spawn. So spawn on Grand Lake. If you go here, um, you can see that this blue area is the zone that is the yep. most productive seasonally in the spawn for top 10 tournament finishes on Grand Lake. So what this means is that it doesn't mean that you can't catch spawning fish anywhere else, like in the back of Horse Creek or anywhere, but it if you want to means that there's a lot of fish caught before the, between the islands and the bridge in Horse Creek. On yeah. Beds. And that's where the spawning fish are. So one, you want to be looking in that area, then you can use the wind effects feature to figure out the, specific banks that aren't getting a lot of wind. And then we also have our water inflow points feature, which you can zoom in on. And that shows you all the places where water flows into your lake. Mm -hmm. So if you scroll over here, you can see that there's a few places where you actually have water inflow points that are flowing in and they're getting flow. And you can then say, okay, maybe I want to avoid that pocket because it's going to get washed out by any rain we're getting. Or maybe I do want to fish that pocket because it's the fall and the bait fish are going to pull in there. And if you look around this lake, there's only a handful of water inflow points. So you can either choose to avoid those water inflow point areas, or you can choose to go after them. Now, mm -hmm. what we're working on right now, Matt, is combining all these layers into one feature set. That's kind of the idea right now. So we're trying to come up with a way as we speak this after this next release of integrating the wind effects. And I'm kind of getting blurry because I'm now going back and forth. Yeah, no, it's it's all good. Um, but we want to find a way to 
integrate the water clarity, the best areas, the wind effects, the water inflow points, and be able to give really accurate recommendations on where and when to fish. And that's really what we've been building on for the last little bit. I'm just going to stop my camera for a second and restart it. Okay. That'll that work. Sometimes we'll fix the, uh, uh, it's not really working. Anyways, I'm blurry that's guys. But, we'll we'll um, take it. We'll take another short break instead of a long <laughs> break. And that'll allow you to reset it. That's what we've been working towards. Um, for a while and the idea is that we need to build up all these base layers first we need to figure out the wind the water clarity figure out the zones of the lake based on historical tournament data figure out these inflow points and now that we've built out all these features we can finally take all of them and start basically putting the pieces of the puzzle together and that's what our 2024 goal is is basically to come up with this perfect not perfect but a really good solution to what you're saying which is like okay i want to go fish in the spawn for spawning fish i need to find protected pockets i need to find areas without water inflow points in at least the water needs to be at least stained because i need to be able to see the fish but clear would be ideal and i know that i need to be in the first half of the creek in the mid lake section because that's where the majority of the tournaments top 10 finishes come during the spawn then we highlight just those zones for you bam go sight fishing mm -hmm. those pockets and that's kind of the goal that we have here uh good question from dale i don't know how much you want to go into this he goes how do you get the catch locations just ask honest guys no, no so that's <laughs> i know you've i think you've been through this before on, I have, but on I'll, BTL, but... we basically watch live coverage so we have open and tour level professionals watch hours and hours and hours of live coverage we have you know, a couple of different guys who are spending 50 to 80 hours a month watching live tournament coverage or coverage from past Bassmaster or FLW TV shows, publicly available information, basically. Mm -hmm. And we have them figure out where on the lake they're fishing, which is why it takes so long. And then you categorize those patterns by time of day, by the section of lake, by the structure, by the cover they're fishing, all these factors. And it takes so much time because these guys are literally like doing background comparisons of like where they are on the lake. Like, oh, there's that building or that silo or whatever. A lot of these guys have been to these lakes before, so they kind of yeah. know where their stuff is anyways because they've traveled across the country. But we don't take the word of the angler. We don't say, oh, this guy said he caught them here. We want to have verifiable proof. And we've put a ton of time and a ton of resources into collecting this data to make it accurate. Because otherwise, if you just like do like dots and say, hey, someone said they caught a fish here. One, you don't know if they actually did. Two, you don't know if that was a quality fish. And three, you don't know if it was in a situation where there was like fishing pressure, all kinds of things. So the data that we have is actually like, under the toughest conditions, middle of a Bassmaster Open or tournaments or whatever, these patterns are working. So if these work during these really tough conditions, they're going to work even better on a Thursday. And that's kind of how we built all this. And we have data, again, for different lake types. So we group lakes by, you know, if it's a TVA impoundment, highland impoundment, lowland impoundment, stuff like that. But we also then take into account, does the lake have grass, standing timber, boat docks, all these things? And we'll filter out the results based on, the actual characteristics of that lake so you actually get accurate recommendations so it's a multi-step process there's a lot of data that goes into it but i'm very particular about the data that goes into the app because i know how important it is and i know that you can't just like say oh this guy caught him mm. in this creek randomly it's like no where in the creek did you catch him what type of structure was he fishing what was the bait he was using what time of day was it all these things are very important because as you know matt the difference between rolling up on a pocket and fishing the secondary point at noon compared to fishing the flat bank 
at noon can be the difference between catching 18 pounds of fish and catching nothing. So that's kind of how we see it. Listen, I, uh, I'm not an app, uh, have not been an app guy in the past. This is kind of recent to me in the past couple years. I've got two or three apps, the deep dive app. What I would suggest if you're not an app guy, like you can go, like I said, you can go to the deep dive app.com, check it out. Like, Honestly, am I going to look and be like, oh, square bell crank bit me? I, I don't use that very much, but I use all the like mapping features. But someone else might be like, I don't know what to throw in here, just kind of depending on your style and what you do. So there's yep. a lot of features that I use every time I go on the water. And there's a lot of features that honestly, I don't look at that much. But that's just me pers personally yep. on that, Johnny. Well, I mean, for but, me too, like when I go out to the fish, I don't necessarily use like what is the best bait cover structure mm -hmm. combination for that time? I have enough experience and understanding and know what I like to do. So I'm using the water inflows. I'm using the wind effects. I'm using the water clarity. I use the best area feature a lot just because it gives me the best general zone that day. And usually more often than not, it's going to be accurate for that day. Just because one, we're already taking into account the weather and the wind and cloud cover and time of day, season, all that stuff into the calculation. But it also is building off of a massive amount of tournament patterns by season. So we have you know a database of 10,000 patterns, but like within, let's say, highland reservoirs or lowland reservoirs in February, we have 500 February specific patterns for- And that's how you're reservoir. able to take April on- on uh toledo bend, toledo bend and say hey this is where and how it's going to go down with yep. what and be ac and be fairly certain that you're accurate now there's obviously nuances within each one of those outlier water patterns wind all that stuff that you could yep. have a freak show event but day in and day out you're going to be fairly accurate on it um there's people who are asking about why some lakes have best areas and other lakes don't and i think you kind of just describe that as you know it kind of depends on what data is available for those lakes it's it's just the popularity too unfortunately like with those lakes we have to actually mark up the section of lake we have to bring the lake in we have to figure out the lake characteristics we have to figure out the data that's available on that lake and we're still building up all these things so the best the lakes that have the best areas versus ones that don't for example we don't have a lot of natural lakes right now because our main challenge is that there's not a lot of tournaments that actually take place on natural lakes in off seasons of the year there's a lot of summer tournaments there's a lot of like post-spawn tournaments that sort of thing. So we're trying to find a good solution for sourcing quote unquote tournament level data on like a natural lake. Uh, and also with the section of the lake on like a natural lake, it's not as easy to break it up by like back half of the creek, first half of the creek, things like that. You almost have to break it up by like whether you're fishing within a few, few, you know, 30 yards of the shore inside grass line stuff. Then there's the flat with all the grass. Then there's the outside grass line and the drop off. And there's all these other components. So actually sectioning off a lake like that is way harder. Same thing with like a river system. It's so much harder to segment a river system and figure out all of those little nuances, especially when you have jetties there under the water and all these things that play a big factor. Mm -hmm. So we don't want to, come out with a feature on a lake that doesn't actually help the angler catch fish and actually like represent. Cause the worst thing we can do is send you to an area of the lake that is wrong or that is bad and then say, Oh, go over here when there's nothing actually there. So 
we probably could roll out more features to more stuff and just kind of do it like halfway, but that's just not how we've done it. And we feel like if we can make the product as good as possible on the lakes that we have right now, we are going to be in, in business. So that's kind of our idea. And I know that means that not every lake across the entire country is going to have every feature, but that's the long-term goal. We've only been, you know, the Aspen live for two years now. So hopefully in five years, we'll have the technology and mm -hmm. all. How many apps last two years? I would imagine the vast majority are done within two years. Like yeah. they come out, it doesn't fly. Like, I mean, that's gotta be an accomplishment just to have the sucker around for two years. I know, I know that the podcast, it's hard to keep a podcast around for two years. So, Oh, tell me, my, tell me about it. I have it, my live stream. I had to slowly, I had like 147 episodes on my live stream and podcasts and that slowly had to go to the wayside with everything else. So yeah, doing it daily and everything, Matt, huge props to you because you, you crush it on this. Uh, all right. So I've had people be like, okay, why, why Johnny? Like, how does he get at this? Like big picture, this is the way I see it. So you have been doing this since you were eight years old. You can go back, well-documented. You have all of these uh, hundreds of videos in here that, and you've done seminars and taught that and spend the time on the water and you your brain works interestingly. That's a compliment. And then you had these people that wanted to have a, an app or develop and get into the outdoor, the fishing space. There were investors or people who create apps that say, hey, we want to get into this space. You ended up partnering with them because of your expertise for this. And then you kind of had a big sandbox to where they were like, okay, we're going with you on this. And you're saying, these are the things that I find valuable. This is what I want to do. And I don't have the money to do it, but you do. And I have the expertise, but you don't. So let's take your money and my expertise and figure out how we can do this stuff that hasn't been done before and put a lot of money and a lot of time into it and see what we can come up with. Is that a down and dirty version of how you ended up with the deep dive app? For sure. Yeah. And I think the reason the guys reached out to me initially was a team of three guys and now we're a team of four. Um, so we actually, they actually live here in uh, Texas. So all of the development, everything is done here in the States. We don't outsource any development or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, so with the four of us, we've done the entire app and basically they reached out to me just because of the analytical approach to my YouTube channel. And that just comes from when I was working in corporate, doing demand planning, statistics, you know, uh, I was really focused on that sort of stuff, even during like my MBA and things. I did a lot of research at the university into uh, different like consumer demand stuff and things like that with a lot of statistical models. And so my brain is just wired that way. And that's how I've always thought about fishing. And I think they're a part of it that has been my advantage is I'm actually willing to give up everything that I do. When you look at my YouTube channel, I'm not holding anything back. I show every single spot I catch a fish. If I go catch a 20 pound bag of fish, I show you exactly where I'm fishing, the exact layout with my electronics, with the mapping, with everything. And there's not a lot of people that are willing to give up that type of information because either they want to keep it for themselves to fish professionally or want to fish as a, you know, a local stick, mm -hmm. and things like that. So I think that definitely helped as well. I was just willing to share everything versus just you get a lot of crap for that like i would imagine i'd be scared to do that to like show up at ramps and do that and no like i mean have you had some people I that mean, aren't thrilled with that at like lakes and stuff 
most, I mean, I would say 99% of people have been positive about it. I mean, you get some pros, like I'll, every time I talk to Jacob Wheeler, he's like, man, why'd you talk about that? But yeah. like that sort of thing. But like uh, at, at the end of the day, I also feel like I'm not giving away everything, um, the entire process of the day. I think the thing that people have been the most upset about is when I actually do my uncut videos where I go out and I show my entire day just driving with my boat. And I've done like live streams where I live stream my side imaging, down imaging, mapping, all that stuff. And I show the entire process because that's really where all the value is mm -hmm. more so than when I cut my fishing day up into a 15 or 20 minute segment. I can show you all my spots. I can show you all the stuff I'm doing, but it's the process of finding those spots. That's the actual juice. And so I've wanted to show more of that. It's just there's only a, there's a limited number of people who want to watch me graph for three hours straight without making a cast or catching any fish and will <laughs> assume that info. So <laughs> I think that that's the other part of it is like there's no silver bullet. So even if I yeah. go out and I show my end result, it's not like anyone's going to be able to go back to that spot a week later and go catch them the exact same way I did with the exact same bait. That spot's already done. So it, it doesn't really matter. So I don't think people really get that upset. There's, it's not that bad. There's people that somewhere there's a guy who goes, he gets a six pack. He sits down, he turns on surround sound completely dark. And he spends a Saturday night watching you side image for four straight hours. <laughs> I mean, I know, I know people watch the streams and it's funny. Cause it's like, I'll get a lot of guys who watch the stream four or five times. I know uh, that's awesome. Um, but it's good. <sighs> I mean, that's what it takes to catch fish for me at least. And, I every time I, I used to do on the water fishing lessons, like guide stuff, basically. And uh, it, that was the most miserable tell you like a guide story. That was the most miserable time like ever when I was doing that. And I was doing it as like a way to kind of start my business. But I would go out to the lake and I would say, OK, guys, we are going to go out here and we're going to graph. And I would go out to these guys' lakes in their boats. And 90% of the time, Matt, I'd never been on the lake I was going to because I had just kind of moved up to this area. So I was going to brand new water in a brand new boat with electronics I've never touched before. And I am going to go show them how to find offshore fish. So this is the like 90% of my trips went like this. I would get in the boat. I would explain what we're going to do. I would explain the whole process of what I do. I would graph for two hours and about an hour in everyone would start to get annoyed or they'd be like, I really paid this guy to come out here and we're not, he's not even finding any fish, blah, 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 blah. They would get really kind of like annoyed. Sometimes I would go four hours of this eight hour day, just graphing and barely fishing. And these guys were getting heated. Like I would get people who were making snarky comments. They were like, do you really know what you're doing? You fake your videos, don't you? Like they're saying this stuff to me as I'm driving in the boat. Five hours in, I find a group of fish. We catch 18 pounds and they're like, this is the best day ever. This is amazing. And I'm like, okay, well, what you're seeing is this is what I do every time I go to the lake is I graph for four to five hours. And I find them eventually, but it takes four to five hours a lot of times. And all you're seeing is that like 15 minutes of fame in my videos. Mm -hmm. And it was, it, I stopped doing it because it was just like the social anxiety was so much. <laughs> like, I, I just, I was driving in this guy's boat for five hours. And it's like, imagine being in a car ride with someone for five hours. Never and met him. Can't get out. Like you're on a lake. You're sniffing at you for five hours. It was, it was pretty rough, but uh -huh. um, yeah. So I stopped doing that. That's why I started the guide podcast because I wanted people to, I, I mean, like, it'd be awesome if someone could come on and be like, listen, we're, we are going to stare at a screen for four hours. You are going to be bored. You are going to question what I'm doing, but there will be a moment where there's a payoff. Like I, I do that 
it, I kind of got that idea from the West or East and West Texas or the West Texas guys, Central Texas, all of Texas, South Texas that are doing this scoping thing. Yep. If you don't know what you're in for, it's a weird deal. Cause you've got a guy up there that's standing there and you're like, okay, well, where are we fishing? And they're like, well, you're not going to catch anything here. Like we're out in the middle of the lake. So you can cast, but you're not going to catch anything. And we might see three. And then I've got to catch the first one. Cause I got to show you what the heck we're doing and what it looks like on the screen. And then I'll give you the opportunities for the next one. But it's like trophy mountain goat hunting. Like you're not going out and shooting a hundred doves on opening day that are on the power lines. Like, you may get one shot at this thing in a week of hunting, but it's going to be something you'll know. So anyway, that's where that whole thing yeah. I do. Okay. I do have to ask this question real quick. Yeah. yeah. Bass fanatics. He's on me about it. Alabama specifically. Why are there no best areas feature on Gunnersville? Is there any reasoning behind that? There is a best areas feature on Gunnersville. Oh, okay. If, I don't know. He's asking so like six times. If you don't have those things, a lot of times you haven't updated the app. So if you have the app, I would highly recommend going into the app store or Google Play Store and updating the app or delete the app and reinstall it because the app, And if you don't have automatic updates on with the app, then all the new features, like you might be on a version from a year and a half ago and we've added like 15 new features and like all this new stuff mm -hmm. and you won't be seeing it because you never updated the app. So mm -hmm. on our side, we can't, we can't do anything about that. You just got to make sure you update the app. Uh, one thing uh, I will say, Matt, that's uh, crazy about the guide stuff is like nowadays there's live scope, which I think would actually make it a lot easier because you can see like yeah. there's some fish. And I also have like an aqua view camera now. So I could drop the aqua view and be like, look, there's the bass right there. You know, they're there. They're just not biting. When I was doing this before, I'm just doing the side imaging, down imaging, 2D sonar. So like they had to trust me that the little tiny dot on the screen or the little <laughs> subtle thing had fish on it. And like, there was a lot of it was timing where like, I remember one trip where I went out and we fished a spot two different times. Cause I saw them loaded on it. And I'm like, they're just not biting. And the guy's like, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. We pull up for the third time and he catches a six pounder and a nine pounder on back to back casts. Wow. And this was over when I went to North Carolina and I was doing the lakes over falls. I was on falls Lake over yeah. in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. And we were out there forever. And like, we didn't find anything, but I knew this spot, like they're loaded here. We just got to hit the timing. Right. And like it, it, the whole day, it was like, Oh, fine, whatever, whatever. And then a six and a nine back to back cast. Mm -hmm. and it was like, Oh my gosh. And we had like 29 pounds for five fish that day off that spot. Uh, so that, that was, I think it would be easier nowadays with live scope to kind of do that sort of thing. Uh, Dale Gribble is taking a break from chatting with Hank and is saying guides need to do all that on their own time. Just take me to the honey hole and let me slay. That's the difference between what you're signing up for, like what you are expecting. So it's two completely different worlds. There is a guide trip where you go to catch fish. And then there is a guide trip where you go to learn how to catch fish and anything that you may or may not catch is a complete bonus and just a validation of the previous seven hours of the boat. Yeah. It's, it's the, the way I, I call them on the water lessons, not guide trips. Mm -hmm. But the reason I called them that is because I was like, I'm going to teach you my process for graphing and finding fish. I put in the disclaimer, like there's a, there is a chance we're not going to catch a single fish because we're going on a lake I've never been to in a boat with electronics. I don't yeah. know. I'm going to set up your graphs the best it I can. It just doesn't sound fun. And it's like, I just go out and it worked out, I would say 90% of the time, maybe 85% of the time we would have a good day. Then like there would be 15% of the time where it was really rough. It didn't go well. And it, like 
some guys were good sports about it and they were like, okay, I, I, I got the process. I saw what we were doing, but yeah. you know, Matt, you're not going to go out and catch a bunch of fish every time you go to the lake. It's just not feasible, especially when you're going to a brand new lake the first time, never seeing it before. So I felt like my success rate was pretty good still, despite yeah, that. Absolutely. To be honest. Uh, all right, we're going to take a final break of the show when we come back. Uh, can we do a little talking about what you expect? I mean, like I said, you've got all this data. You keep up with what's going on. Um, yep. I don't know if you can talk about what your kind of plans are for 2024, but I would be interested in your take on uh, some hot trends and things that you expect to go down at the top level of professional bass fishing this upcoming season. 100%. Yep. All right, BTL on a Tuesday with Johnny Schultz from uh, Core Tackle fish the moment the deep dive app bass fishing declassified bass fishing declassified and do you still do lake map breakdowns no, no more lake map breakdowns. okay so it's just those are, those are no longer a thing but uh had to cut something you know okay uh we'll be back right after this shoreline boat and rv dock rash storm damage collision repair that deep scratch or gouge from trying to access that secret creek Shoreline Boat and RV can get your prize possession back in mint condition and looking good on the water, fast. All repairs are done in-house, so they're able to get your boat or RV back to brand new, quickly. All Shoreline's work comes with a rock-solid warranty. Find out more at ShorelineBoatAndRV.com. Kansas City, Austin, and Tulsa. I'm the kind of guy that never leaves a house without a pocket knife, and Gamagatsu's come out with the EDC series of knives. EDC stands for everyday carry, so whether you're on the water or off, you can always have it with you. The best thing about it to me is that assisted open feature. With this D2 blade, you've got it right here at your fingertips, so if you can't find your scissors, you need to cut a knot, you need to cut your braid, you've always got it. Make sure you check it out. Never leave home without your Gamagatsu EDC knife. Born in Japan, using technology, innovation, and precision, Sunline produces the widest selection of fishing lines at the most technologically advanced line factory in the world. Manufactured at the strictest tolerances to produce victories at the highest levels of tournament bass fishing, from household names like Christie, Swindle, and Cruz, to young guns like Cook, Logan, New, and Welcher, they all trust Sunline to take them to the top of the leaderboard. Choose the line that will give you the strength to guarantee your confidence. Sunline. Elite Series Pro Daryl Gleason here. My Pro Guide batteries keep me going on those long tournament days and long practice days. Always plenty of juice, never fail. The best part about Pro Guide batteries, it's the people behind the company. They have over 40 years experience in the battery business, keeping all of us fishermen out on the water longer, catching more fish. Check them out at ProGuideBatteries.com. What's up, Bass Talk Live fans? Brandon Polinick here. And ever since I won a couple Bassmaster Elite Series events on X-Zone Lures, I've been getting a bunch of questions of what makes them so special and different. And really, the truth is, it's in the details. The little details, things like no cheap fillers in their plastic, that gives you more lifelike action, more realistic and vibrant colors. But don't just take my word for it. Go to www.xzonelures.com and check them out. For yourself having confidence in your tackle while on the water is one of the main things to success in my opinion in the last couple years with denali i've had just that from anything from spinning rods casting rods tungsten products even now to casting and spinning reels i have the confidence to go out there and get the job done and know that all my equipment is going to handle it and do it just the way i want it the thing about denali is you've got great quality products at a great price point so make sure you check them out 
All right, we are back. BTL on a Tuesday with Johnny Schultz. Uh, all right, the season starts in like two weeks, right? Two weeks. BPT, I January think. January 30th is the first event for MLF. That's wild. Uh, you've got an idea of, I mean, last year we've seen, uh, I think we saw, so I'm going to, let's go back a couple years and see if we can, if I can remember this. I think we saw a massive resurgence in the jerk bait, like jerk bait. No, I, I'm going to go swim bait like three years ago. Then it was jerk bait. Then it was the Damiki hover stroll, that whole thing this past year. Is that a fair yep. breakdown? Would you say? Yep. What's 2024 in your opinion? What's the new hot thing that everybody's going to be doing? Oh, drop shot this past year too. Got to throw the drop shot. There was more. I just saw a uh, a stat from the BPT that there was like more tournaments won on a drop shot than any other uh, this past year. And then you saw what Joseph Fuentes did and a number of other guys on the elite and not like non-Northern. Now that obviously plays in that depending on how many Northern, but non-Northern, non-traditional drop shot stuff mixed in with that hover rate. Yep. Well, I would love to say it's going to be the hover rig. Uh, pros, if you're watching, just start throwing the hover rig. I know your sponsors don't have it, but you know, if you need a hookup. I got you. But no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, uh, a couple of things that I've been doing that I think are pretty interesting. I'm going to kind of share my thoughts on what I've seen from the local fisheries in my area and then kind of extrapolate that to tournament fishing because it is very different. But what I've found personally that's been the most effective for me that I think is um, super interesting is that. I feel like there's this big trend that's been going on about targeting isolated fish this past year. So with the Demiki rig and things like that, anglers are targeting isolated fish around brush piles, isolated fish suspended over ledges, things like that. And they're targeting them with the Demiki rig with the jerk bait. So from a bait perspective, I feel like I don't know if there's going to be a massive change from like the baits that work. I think the baits that work work and you know, there's, different styles of baits there's the big giant baits like the millican throwing this hangover swim bait or big flutter spoons and stuff those can situationally be good but day in and day out on the elite series your um drop shots shaky heads demiki rigs finesse baits are going to be really effective just because of the fishing pressure but from a standpoint from what i've seen with the live scope and with a lot of the fish in my area i'm finding that a lot of the best fish that I'm catching are so tight to the bottom that they're not visible on your traditional 2D sonar or live scope without a very keen eye. And this past year, that's how I've been catching the majority of my really good bags of fish. It's literally fish that are so tight to the bottom that when someone goes through there with the live scope, they're just not going to see them. And I think Joey Sefuentes did this really well over when he was fishing on like Seminole, I believe it was um where he was catching them in the timber but he wasn't catching them off the top of the sanding timber he was catching them off the bottom of the lake and those fish were so tight to the bottom that other anglers were missing those fish and i think that that trend is going to continue i know that that's something that a lot of anglers probably aren't talking about and sorry if i'm spoiling this for some of the pros but what you can do is you can go into these really popular areas and if you have a bait that has a lot of drawing power, you can actually get these fish to reveal themselves. So what I've been doing is I've been trying to use 
really, really big baits to draw these fish off the bottom in areas where I feel like I have a good inclination that there's some fish, whether I see them on my 2D sonar, I see them on my side imaging, but I'm not seeing a pile of fish. I might see two, three fish on my sonar. And I just kind of get this like inclination, like, oh, there may be some like shad in this area, or maybe there's rocks, there's some crawfish, or I see a school of crappie or something. And what I'm doing is I'm going through those areas and I'll pitch like a spoon, like a big eight inch flutter spoon. I've been throwing the new seven aught quarter ounce tush hook from core tackle with an eight or nine inch depth Sakamata shad. It's a giant fluke. And I've been working that where it's a little bit too shallow for the big flutter spoon. And I've also been throwing a top hook swim bait through the 316 top hook swim bait. Um, it's similar to the hangover swim bait. It was what a lot of the guys were using. The rising sun. Rising sun, that one. So I'm using that bait. So those three baits for me have the most drawing power. And what I'm doing is I'm actually pulling those fish off the bottom with those big baits because those are the only baits I can get to actually pull those fish off the bottom. Then once you find them and you see them actually, and you'll it's crazy because you'll have one fish that'll follow it. And all of a sudden you'll see nine fish or 10 or 15 fish that pull up off the bottom that you never saw. And it's almost like what uh, they were doing at the classic, uh, at least Gustafson was doing at the classic moping for the smallmouth, where you, they would be so tight to the bottom that you would just sit there, you'd see one come up, and then you see seven or eight smallmouth following it. But largemouth do this too, and spotted bass. And I've been finding that that's been a very effective technique for me. And I'm not always catching them on those big flutter spoons and things like that, but at least I'm drawing them out. And then I'm retargeting them with Nico rigs, drop shots, Demiki rigs, stuff like that. And that to me has produced my biggest fish this year by far and my most number of like quality fish. I didn't have a day this year where I pulled up on a ledge and caught 20 pounds of fish, just fishing a standard ledge, fishing a standard brush pile deal. I have one day, I think I caught my brush piles or had 20 pounds, but like nothing crazy. But my, my days where I had like 20 plus pounds and it was like the good old days, like three to seven years ago, it was all on those fish that would be like in the middle of a ditch in the very center of a ditch. And then you would like drop that spoon down there and you watch five, five pounders follow it. And there'd be like 15 more down the center of this ditch belly on the bottom. Yeah. Those are real. Uh, I've low key heard, uh, really good anglers <laughs> that do this for a living talking about why they run different units. And some units are better at picking up fish on the bottom than other units are yep. and then that big flutter spoon also there are a number of guys like you just mentioned that are using it basically to get the fish to move to reveal themselves it has nothing to do with it i mean it obviously does but it's more like when you put the bait in the bed to get the fish fired up, you're getting the fish to move and to react to it, like you said. And it's a real interesting combination between the big bait and the combination of electronics they're using. Do you think these fish are have always been on the bottom or do you think that they're already adjusting because they live in that area? It has everything. They've always lived in that area, but if they're suspended, they get jacked with. So they just like any other living thing realize like a deer that's like, Oh, no one jacks with me in this strip of land. So I'm going to live in here, be a nocturnal. Do you think they go, Oh, we don't get jacked with when we're on the bottom. I honestly just think it's a timing thing. I honestly think the, the fish spend the majority of their time down there from what I've seen uh, or a good chunk of their time. I would say the majority I don't have data on this. This is just all of all I'm saying here is just hypothesizations. Yeah. This is no, no, 
science-backed stuff. This is just what I see on the lake. But mm-hmm. what I do find is like I sat in one spot on this one lake by my house has a ton of big fish in it so it's like it's basically like an aquarium for big fish so it's not like i'm you know fishing i've done this on grand lake too and on beaver lake so this is something i've done across but this specific day is on a lake that's loaded with big fish so i want to caveat there but what would happen is i would find the school and i found the school probably 35 to 40 fish between four and eight pounds so they were just like loaded in the spot and what happens i got there at 9 a.m couldn't get a single fish to react. I saw them kind of following my spoon off the bottom. They were just kind of chilling. And I just stuck around. I was just making circles in like this 300-yard section. I actually have a video of it up on YouTube. Um, but uh, I showed myself graphing. I saw these fish and saw the bait. And anyway, so I went and all of a sudden the bait fish started rising up in the water column. And I would see a few of these big fish rising up out of the, you know, bottom of the lake and they'd start chasing me shad on the surface so i started throwing that big fluke that eight inch depth sakamata shad with the seven out quarter ounce tush now burn it and stop it and burn it and stop it you, you love the tush don't you matt no um, i just like the i just like the seven i mean it's just a, the bait's like that big oh, it's, it's just massive. a giant bait so that's what i'm would, laughing at would reel and i would burn it and kill it and these fish would come up and just destroy this giant fluke so i caught like two or three three and a half to four pounders doing that then I started throwing the spoon down there and ripping the spoon off the bottom because these fish were getting a little more active. And then I ended up catching like over a dozen, three to four pounders doing, and they were there the whole time and they're there the whole time. And then the school completely shut down and I couldn't get them to bite anything. I couldn't get them to bite a drop shot, a shaky head, anything like that. And they completely shut off and I wasn't able to catch another one of those fish the rest of the time. Did they go back to the bottom or did they suspend? Yeah, they were on the bottom. I was watching them. They would follow the spoon a little bit. I tried to demiki rig them. I mean, I think if I stayed there for like an hour or two more hours and like drug a Ned rig or something around, I probably could got a few more bites, but it already caught, you know, over a dozen really nice fish. So I wasn't Mm -hmm. really that bothered, but like there was that little feeding window where one, those fish rose up and fed high in the water column and then those fish that were down on the bottom fed and i feel like those fish don't get messed with a lot because if you go through that area at the wrong time not in that two-hour window you're never going to catch any of those fish and you could just assume oh those are catfish those are carp those are gar those are whatever and that's where having that aquaview camera is kind of nice where i can drop it down and actually look at those fish and be like oh those are definitely bass um, especially like in a practice setting, that's very useful. But then in addition to that, you could potentially, you know, get a sense for the size of the fish, things like that. And a lot of those fishes are going to go untouched by other anglers. Now it doesn't just happen like on these drains and ditches and flats and stuff like that. I see this around brush piles too. And actually some of my buddies who fish Beaver Lake clued me into this and, basically what they were talking about is that there were these brush piles and things like that and you could actually take a big flutter spoon and throw it by these brush piles and you could pull these fish out of the brush piles you could actually see like an eight, with this eight inch flutter spoon you would see these four and five pound bass you wouldn't see that were on the base of the brush piles come out and look at the spoon mm-hmm. now you wouldn't catch really any fish with it but you would see these fish come out and then you could go fish and target them mm-hmm. with your your baits and stuff and sometimes catch them it wasn't like a, a guaranteed it only worked for like one trip so it wasn't like it was a, a grand pattern or anything but it got that was what actually got me interested in trying this like big bait as like a with in combination with the live scope big baits to get the fish to show themselves follow up baits to try to catch them or 
put just these spots into a rotation and say, Hey, I'm going to run these spots once an hour and I'm going to milk run seven or eight spots that I know have a bunch of fish down there that look quality on the live scope, look like three or four pounders. And it works out really well. And it, honestly, I always catch my fish it seems like in a one or two hour window when I do this and I don't get any bites the rest of the day. So I could see how easy it is to miss this pattern if you don't know really what you're looking for, if that makes sense. And that bites could be because if you look at your app that they start pulling water and there's a little bit of flow, that could be because of the bait fish pattern. So there could be a number of different reasons. Interesting question from Kyle here yep. or from uh, Pete. Pete says, would you ever know those fish were there without live scope? So, uh, yeah. I would. I see them yeah. on TV sonar. So like they're there. I've caught these fish with traditional like 2D like vertical fishing where like you got the spaghetti lines mm -hmm. on there. So I've done this for years, like in the sense that I you can catch those fish, but it's so inefficient to target them with those old school methods. But you're um, more likely to fish for them with old school methods than to just pan over them and go, ah, there's nothing there and move on. So in a correct. sense, you might catch some on the old school because, you know, historically you catch them there. It's got all the elements that look right. Yep. You either side scan it or you know from past history, you cast something out there to a scoper who's going to go past. You're going to drag a jig. Donk, fish is going to come off the bottom. Then you activate the school and the old school actually gets the job done. Well, that's why I use 2D sonar. I, I'm still weird where I don't, I haven't sold my soul to the live scope. Uh, I still start my day every day graphing for two to three hours with traditional sonar because mm -hmm. I know with my 2D sonar and my down imaging settings that I can pick out those individual fish on the bottom. Again, if you watch my YouTube videos, I show myself doing this in every video. Mm -hmm. So it's not like it's, it, yeah, it's, it's not there. proprietary information. Yeah. So you can watch me do this, but what I'm doing is I'm graphing those fish first with traditional sonar and I'm only going to pick up maybe a fifth or maybe a 10th of the actual number of fish that are down there. Cause a lot of them are so tight to the bottom, but if I can pick up one or two fish, usually there's like 10 or 12 down there. And I've been able to catch these fish doing this, all the way dating back to like 2012, 2013. The thing is, is that I haven't back then, I didn't have a reason to go throw the big spoon or the big swim bait or whatever to pull those fish up off the bottom. What I needed to basically do was pull up in those areas. I would throw a deep diving crankbait, throw a hair jig, stuff like that. And I would just get bit if they were biting. If they didn't bite, I'd be like, well, they're either inactive or they're not bass. And I just roll. And so I was catching those fish back in the day, but now I am more certain of the size of the fish and more certain of the number of fish and how aggressive they are because of the live scope. So it's made that technique. I think, I don't know if it's any better than it was before, but no one's doing it. And I think that's probably the main thing is that like the traditional stuff I've been doing my whole career of fishing since I was 13 years old, which is the offshore stuff that stuff just isn't working like it did when I was 13. Like I remember just crazy days where I go out and catch a hundred fish a day and they'd be between two to four pounds. And it was just great offshore fishing. It's so hard to do that nowadays. And I personally am not one to like, I, I honestly hate going around and targeting individual fish with a Demiki rig or like a hover rig or something. To me, that is like the most boring style of fishing ever. You want to find a group. Oh, well, yeah, if you find a group, but like That's still cool. it's boring. Like, honestly, I'll catch two or three fish out of the group and I'll get bored because I'm like, I didn't do anything. I just randomly graphed in the middle here and found them. So I like still finding fish around hard cover and structure, like a drain or some type of like contour. That's just like what I grew up doing. And that's what I love. So 
a lot of times I just ignore those other fish because I just get bored fishing for them. Like they don't, it doesn't excite me. So I have done this other thing, which is really fun. It's exciting still to me and it's, it utilizes live scope. And so it's kind of a, a good blend for me personally. Uh, Dale said it wants to know about separation between the fish and the bottom on 2d. Like you have videos out the wazoo over on fish the moment that you actually like are on the water showing like, Hey, here's exactly like what it looks like. Right. A hundred percent. You can yeah, go that would be, that. I mean, instead of doing that, I just go to the fish, the moment, uh, YouTube channel and you have it all categorized based on. Yep. There's a video. There's done. a series of videos I put out last spring. I'm going to start them back up here like this next week or tomorrow. I'm probably going to go back out, but, uh, it was from like January of last year, January, 2023. And there was a series of videos I did where I just showed my entire graphing process. And I was out yep. on Beaver Lake and a couple other small lakes and it shows everything. It shows how my 2d sonar settings are and everything. Mm -hmm. So, um, it was like, there's like four videos in a row that are, in there they have like 30 to forty thousand views if you guys want to check those out so they're uh curious if johnny has tried the cody huff ice fishing stuff yet on the ozark lakes oh yeah I've, i yeah i used to, i've done the ice fishing jig quite a bit uh again not a big fan of fishing that style to be honest i think it's pretty boring to watch on youtube and i think it's pretty boring personally it's <laughs> kind of fun um i love it i like it love, I, yeah because I, 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 to me it's like Okay, there's my foe. There he is. Now, what can I do to put that thing in my boat? Like, so it's kind of like a one-on-one -on -one deal. Like, you make a move, he darts off. That wasn't the right move. Or you make a move and he comes up to it and you're like, ah, oh, that was the right move. Like, I look at it like a, like a boxing match when you get one of those roamers out there that wants to play. Yeah, I, I, to me, that's so boring. I like catching schools of fish. Like, that's my thing. And so when they're all schooled up under shad and stuff, it's fine. But I don't know. I've done it enough now, and I've I've caught them on the ice fishing jigs, the Demetri rigs, all that stuff. To me, I get bored doing it. after If I do one fishing trip of it, like a year, that's enough for me. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's just not very exciting. Uh, I would rather go throw a frog or swim a swim jig than do that, to be honest. Uh, just That's just me personally. Um, but I love the, like, quote unquote structure fishing like fishing mm -hmm. fish that are related to something that to me is the most rewarding and i think i mean if i was fishing professionally yeah i would do all the things but fortunately that's or well at least i personally feel like it's fortunate that i'm not having to do that so uh i can choose the style of fishing i want to to do and that's the style i like and it it does include the old 2d sonar which maybe makes me almost like outdated at this point as it is, but I, I like using it and mm -hmm. it still is very effective for me. So that's just my, it, it just fits my style. It's just stylistic. It's just like Cody Huff and those guys are great with those yeah. individual isolated fish. There's guys who are still really good up shallow flippers, stuff like that. I'm a structure guy. That's just what I've always done. So that's kind of just my style. If that makes sense. Uh, you will talk about, I mean, you're going to be kind of all over this year. When it yeah. comes to the professional fishing, uh, talk a little bit about what's on the docket. And then we're adding a segment to BTL prior to each elite series tournament. To me, I don't, I mean, I guess it's just because I'm fishing. I guess it's just because there's so many variables that it's still a little bit like witchcraft to me when you're like, Hey, here's the area of the lake. It's going to be one in what it's going to be one on and how much it's going to take and blah, blah, blah. And all that. Uh, so one of the cool things, uh, that, that, we're going to team up with uh, the deep dive app and Johnny on the uh, Monday through Wednesday BTL shows is if it is an elite series week, 
uh, you're going to come on and have a little package prior to the start of that tournament. So the week before each tournament, like here's what you expect. Here's how it could go down. And then as you guys are watching it live, uh, you can watch it unfold uh, based on or not unfold. I mean, there might be one where it's a total outlier. So then when you're watching it, you're going, oh, this is truly, this is unique. This is not supposed to be happening or this is exactly how it was supposed to be happening. Yep. But uh, that'll be a cool addition to BTL. So we'll see you uh, nine times kicking things off. Uh, there's a couple elite series before the classic uh, with a 15 or 20 minute just at the end of every uh, of every BTL to finish that year. So I'm excited to do that. I think that was a great idea. You actually called and said, hey, do you think there'd be any? I said, yes, I'm interested in that. The listeners would be interested in that. So looking forward to that rolling that out here in the app here in the end of the month ish beginning of february we're gonna have a whole stats element to the app where you can actually we did this on btl last year but yep. it's actually going to be like graphs and charts showing in january what percentage of the fish are pre-spawn spawn post-spawn uh sort of thing oh is that what you sent me that's not out yet yeah that's the the text it's just a, a photo but uh photo oh, of it looks cool of my screen, but it's basically just data charts and we're taking all of our data that we have and presenting it in a chart format. And that's kind of the idea. And all of this is just saying, okay, based on our, you know, 500 tournament patterns that we have in that season of the year on a lake with all those characteristics, here are the potential things. Here's the, the statistically mm -hmm. the best. And it's not to say that that's what's going to happen because a lot of times if you look start. at that, it's like that's the bait that's most consistent, but that may not be the bait that wins the tournament because a lot of times outlier patterns win tournaments. But if you were going to say, what is the majority of the top 10 doing? That's kind of what we're hoping for with the data in the app. And so it's going to be a little bit different. Like I think a lot of times when you look at data, you have to realize that it's just an average of a lot of other stuff. And so it's like this is what's most likely, but usually, especially in fishing tournaments, it's the outliers that always do really well. So that's kind of a, just something to kind of keep in mind. I think that the stats are, are still very useful to give you a good general sense of like what other anglers could be doing. And maybe it's even to say, Hey, this is what the majority of the field is going to do. I'm going to go do something different. That's another way to even think about it. So um, a lot of different ways to interpret data, to be honest. All right. What else you got? So uh, gonna, it's kind of cool. We're going to be um, doing a lot of different promotions with some pros this year uh, on the elite series and major league fishing. So we're excited about that from the deep dive app side, Matt Stefan, Matt Stefan, a few other pros uh, don't want to share too, too much quite yet, but some big name pros are going to be promoting the deep dive apps. We're excited. About really? That. Uh, yeah, it's exciting. So now you're, now you're a, uh, yeah, that hat too. Now you're sponsoring anglers. Yeah, we got several pros too that are sponsored from Core Tackle as well that we're excited to have on the team. Uh, so that's kind of a whole other element of this. And then with Core Tackle, again, we have three or four new products that we're super, super excited about. Matt's shared a few of them out. Uh, mm -hmm. We have this really cool swim jig we're coming out with that uh, basically puts the majority of the weight down the shank of the hook, which gives the bait a ton of additional side to side roll. So that swim jig super cool. We have like a compact finesse one and then like a standard swim jig. Um, then we have two pieces of terminal tackle that I can't even talk about because they're so unique, but like, if I'm sure Stefan will, he does like nine videos a day. I've told him to run out of stuff. Discuss not to talk about them. He's going to so run like, out of stuff. He'll be, he'll have some sort of 
he's been holding back on it. One of the baits he already spoiled because he was uh uh he was just excited and he made the video and i'm like matt you gotta calm down people are gonna did he take it down or is it still up oh it's still up it's uh it's up because you gotta worry too because if you like come out with stuff before you're ready to go to the consumer and then it gets knocked off then you don't get the original hit on it and then it gives the other guys a couple months ahead to kind of see what's coming out and it's just yep it's a it's a balance it's tough too especially being content creators i mean from Matt's side, he with his daily videos, like it's great content to talk about the baits. And I think it's cool, like, especially with like what Milliken did with the hangover swim bait, mm-hmm. things like that, where he built up hype for an entire year. That bait though is so unique and specific that I don't think that a lot of companies are gonna go in and necessarily go knock that specific bait off. Dude, um, that's the next thing this year. It's this- harness wars. This is the year of harness wars. We've seen everybody with the trolling motor. We've seen the coolers. We've seen the lithium battery wars. This year is the year of harness swim bait wars. Well, we're going to be joining that fray. I can just give you. Oh, no. Oh, really? Core Tackle is going to be joining the uh, harness. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Got some cool stuff. Uh, Got some really cool stuff. So um, that's all I can say about that. But Core Tackle will be joining the harness wars. All in a. All in a. uh, like a resort on a lake and you guys are just going to fist fight every single day over who has the best. We'll have uh, you and Matt and Milliken and Zaldane and uh, John Cruz. All All in. Yeah. We'll fly a couple of the OGs over from Japan and we'll have all the, all the uh, harness swim bait guys just have a giant, uh, a giant, this fight in the parking lot over who's is the best oh man yeah the the harness stuff is cool i mean honestly there's just so many different little deals with swim baits and different uh deals with all these different products that uh it's so fun to be part of the innovation within Mm -hmm. the bait industry just because there is so much innovation out there still untapped and i think a lot of times companies get so caught up in just trying to make sure they have one of all the different products that a lot of the true innovation kind of gets lost. And so it's exciting to kind of see a lot more innovation coming out from the industry recently. There's always some innovation, but like there hasn't been like a a ton of groundbreaking stuff over the past five or six years. So there's been some really good stuff this past year specifically that's come out that I feel really excited about. And I think that that, uh, the future of the bait industry is very bright, put it that way. It is. Just be careful, man. You will, the, they do not mess around over in that harness bait world. You're going to end up, wake up one morning and have like a severed pig's head on your front doorstep if it's good. That's the thing. <laughs> well, I mean, I think, I think ours is, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be very user friendly, which is going to be nice. And the nice thing about is that you can use it with any swim bait on the market. So you're not going to oh. get, we're not making our own swim bait. It's one that can be okay. used swim bait wait so you could throw it in like a 5.8 kai tech or a 6.8 kai tech yeah or a mag draft you could throw it in a 3.3 kai tech if you want you can throw it in anything you want a freestyle freestyle you could put in a spark shad three inch spark shad okay yeah the, oh wow so i'm sure it'll be good because you guys i mean like i said you can also i mean if you, you want to put it in an eight inch or nine inch big swim bait too we got we got some stuff there too so whatever you need we got you i like it all right. Anything else? Uh, I think that's pretty much it. Fish the moment. Going to try to keep putting out content yep. uh, for everyone who watches Fish the Moment. Uh, thanks for all the support. I know that a lot of anglers out there watching will 
be disappointed at the kind of irregularity of the content and just letting you guys know that I'm doing my best to get out and fish and to you know, bait testing and then also doing all the deep dive stuff. So try to fit in the videos as much as I can from a timing perspective. It's just always tough to prioritize all these different projects. So mm -hmm. try to still make YouTube videos because that's something I really love to do. I just love sharing the information that I learn. Uh, but it, right now, honestly, it's uh, kind of lower on the priority list compared to deep dive and core tackle. So trying to do as much as I can on every front. Uh, so hopefully you guys are enjoying the videos that I can put out and I still try to put as much effort into them as I can. So even when I do put them out, they're high quality. So that's kind of, uh, who do you have over your, the, am I completely off base or you're still kind of one of the driving factors behind the bass fishing to classify? That's like you, Stefan Berghoff, uh, Kyle Cordiana. Yep. And I'm missing one. Uh, Randy. Okay, Randy. Yeah, I'm still missing another one. There's, I thought there was Jimmy, another Jimmy guy. Easterling, uh, yes, Jimmy the, Easterling. J Jimmy runs the channel. He's the the fishing, uh, they're the the fishing coach. He started up a okay, new YouTube yep, that's channel. That's who he I was. A great about. YouTube channel, the fishing coach. That's Jimmy. Jimmy's a really good friend of mine. We fished together since I was like 12 years old, and he does a lot of cool stuff with live scope. He has a lot of live scope breakdowns. He's actually one of the guys that I've been bouncing a bunch of ideas off with for the um, this catching fish off the bottom with the flutter spoon, stuff like that. So yeah, Jimmy Easterling uh, is J I M I. If you guys want to look it up. Jimmy Easterling. Boy, you got a group of guys that are just pumping out content. Yeah. Cause Stefan's every day. Randy's three times a day. You've got the app in your deal. Easterling does that. Bergov is every day now. Yep. Is Cordiana every day? I don't, I think that he's, he does a lot of videos. He's behind because he's posting videos from the past, but yeah, he gets a bunch of content out. We got a great group of guys that we kind of um, all make content and do different things. And we all are very unique and different. That's the thing I really enjoy about the bass fishing space. And everyone has their own perspective. Like I'm a hundred percent electronics, mm -hmm. live scope, all in on the analytics. And then we got, you know, Matt, who's the bait junkie. And then we got Randy, who's randy um and then we've got um, jimmy who is you know doing the electronics stuff but he's like all in live scope which is really cool he's kind of not as much of a mix Ooh, that's 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 the one when stefan was in studio i said i need to have one of your frankenstein contraptions for the studio is that one of his toenails Ew, no that is a no oh, okay his toenail crankbait that one that's that's the real winner right there when you're fishing wisconsin that thing is deadly Oh, I thought you were actually talking about, is that a toenail hanging no, off? No, he, he has a toenail crankbait that Matt makes. Oh, listen, I've listened, I've watched probably half of his videos. Like I said, one one a day, it's hard to keep up with all that. But this is a spinnerbait arm that he then attached to a uh, uh, Berkeley square bill. And he swears that in, in muddy water, when you want to crank it, the blades not only cr clack on the back, but also provide flash. I swear I did not purposely forget Randy. I got nothing against Randy Block. I think he's a genius. Randy's just been, he's been pumping, uh, pumping up the drama recently. So he's, uh, yeah, he's been making the rounds. That's what I said. Maybe <laughs> I should, maybe I should say some disparaging remarks and I can get a video about me. Oh man. I just, I I'm over here. I stay clear of that stuff. Randy can do his thing. I'm just chilling over here. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I just, Really appreciate everyone who works fish the moment, yep. and also appreciate everyone who supports. Yeah, it's a heck of a core tackle fish the moment. I mean, it's a huge blessing to have all of these, um, you know, great people that 
I work with and also the, you guys supporting. So, um, you know, I'm not a pro fisherman or anything like that, but I always try to put out the highest quality fishing content and things like that, whether it's the app, whether it's the, the hooks from core tackle, things like that. And so that's going to be my continued goal is to be, uh, do the best I can to put out the best product possible. Always. That's, that's what I always strive to do. One more question. You guys are going to be at the classic. Yes, we're going to be at the classic. We're still waiting on the booth space. Um, I, I've been in contact for a bit trying to get a booth space. So hopefully fingers crossed, we actually get a booth spot. Um, but if anyone out there knows how to end up getting a booth, we were looking for booths for deep dive and core tackle still, but we want to be there. We'll be selling product with core tackle at the classic. If we get a booth and then, uh, we'll also, I'll be over the deep dive booth. So you'll be able to see a lot of our new products and we have, we're hoping by March to have a, a tool in the deep dive app that integrates at least some of those views you're seeing with the wind, the water clarity, the section of lake, things like that. So we're going to try to come up with like a version one of that, like integrated tool to at least have it the classic and then continue to build on that throughout the year. Uh, probably not the best place to do it, but I have a suggestion for the deep dive app that I'd like to share with you. That would be very beneficial. Go for it. All right. So we travel around the country. We get on all these lakes. We have five days of practice for opens. You go pre-practice what I would like. I would like to be able to open up the app and know that if there is a place on the water that I can moor my boat to go get a cheeseburger, to go get something to eat, to get, a, a cold beverage, uh, something of that nature to be like, you know, hey, here, this is great. This is a great spot to go get a cheeseburger at noon on day two of practice. Because what I end up doing, you know, I do I do it all over the country. I did it at Lake of the Ozarks. I did it at Lake Norman. Anywhere that's got, uh, I did it at uh, Ross Barnett. Like, I'm serious. Like, that resets my day and I do it. But there's so many where you're trying to look at the phone and figure out if it's on the water. And then you're looking at your graph. And then you get there and it's like 30 yards up and there's nowhere to park the boat. I want, like, roll in tie the boat off, go up and eat. And I could pull up the deep dive app and find it. I know that that should probably be a top priority. I think, yeah, we're going to kick everything else down the priority list. And we'll just throw that right on the top for you, Matt. There it is. Sell advertisement for local places. Then you can double dip there. Double dip. There we go. I love you, it. You make them sponsor the sponsor, the app. So, all right, Johnny, <laughs> I greatly appreciate it. That was a fun, uh, that was fun. Thanks for sticking with me. Like I said, you texted me this morning at like uh, 7.45. You're like, we still on for today? I'm like, I'm headed home. I'm, I'll be there. <laughs> so. no, I appreciate having me on that. And uh, thanks everyone listening. Appreciate uh, you staying all the way to the end here. All right. Thanks, Johnny. See ya. See you guys. All right. That was Johnny Schultz from Fish the Moment. Uh, like I said, he will be on uh, throughout the year reviewing or previewing Reviewing is after. Previewing is before. The Bassmaster Elite Series stops with the Deep Dive app. Hey, if you guys want to check that Deep Dive app up, uh, the link for it is already in the YouTube description. But uh, that's all we got. I'm working on a show for today. Next Monday, I do have an exciting show, though. The owner of Bastrix. It's a throwback company that has made a very big comeback recently. Uh, sponsor Maddie Wong. A lot of great uh, products, but he is going to be on the show to talk about uh, kind of taking over Bastrix, kind of the resurgence of that, how the baits are made, some of the old school history of that. But uh, uh, shout out to Todd Klein for uh, the hookup with that contact. Unfortunately, Todd was in attendance when the Dolphins lost to the Bills down in Florida the other day. But uh, 
that's for next week. As always, Thursday, Frank Scalish will be back. I think we have might have a giveaway this week. And then uh, more info on the Mexico trip coming uh, later this January for the BTL folks. So, all right, that's all we got for today. Thanks, Johnny. We will see everybody tomorrow, 8.30 a.m. See ya.